find out this morning's journey. Last week we started off the series, Who Are You?, by finding out who is God. We can't rightfully determine who we are without understanding who God is because we, as believers, are in Christ. Father, this morning as we get into the second part of this series, into the time of your word, God, I pray that you would help us, God, to understand who we are in you. God, begin to bring revelation, God, that would change our very beings of who we know ourselves to be in you. God, that we would rise up even from this, these times in the Word, our times in the life group where we'll be praying for one another and breaking free even of bondages that hold us back in the lies that we believed of who we were, who, we, who the enemy has told us that we are. God, into living out the life and the truth of who we are in you. God, I've been praying, God, for supernatural moving, God, this week. And we pray, God, that you would bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, I encourage you, not that the preaching was very good, but the the foundation was so important to get that of who God is. We need to understand who God is in this world, in our lives, so we can move forward. And this morning, we want to spend time understanding, getting to know just a glimpse of who we are. So we're going to cover some some areas of, of... how we come in Christ and what happens when we come to Christ. Before that, we need to know who we were. Now, this morning, I'm speaking to believers. I'm speaking to believers of who you are in Christ. If you haven't put your trust and your life, committed your life to Christ this morning, then these things don't apply to you, but they can. They can apply as you'll trust the Lord to be your Savior and, and give Him your life. But this morning, I'm talking to us as Christians. And as Christians, who we are is not who we were. Who we are is not who we were. What we were is very sad. Now, many Christians, I see them, and I fall into this trap sometimes, and we have to struggle to not walk in this, but many Christians walk around living out the life that they were. They've never come to understand who God created us to be, walking in in the authority and and the blessing and the position, the position that God wants us to walk in. Who we are is not who we were. Who we were? We were separated from God. The moment that sin entered into the picture, we were separated from God. In the Garden of Eden, when the serpent tempted Eve and she gave into that and Adam took the fruit, he died and with him we all died. We were separated from God from that moment. Isaiah 59, 2 says, your iniquities have separated you from God. Our iniquities, we were born into iniquity. So it's not just the things that we've done, not just the sins we've committed, but the original sin, Adam, has separated us from God. Ephesians 4.18 says that they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. That's who we were. We were separated from God. We didn't have relationship. It was broken in the garden and it stayed broken until Christ entered the picture. And that's who we were. It didn't change until Christ's blood was spilled. And and you remember in the account that the, the temple veil was torn in two that separated God and man, opening up the access 
But that was only the door being opened. Until you walk through the door and receive Christ's blood, we're separated from God. And that's what we were. We were lost. Luke chapter 15 is, is the three parables about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal son. They were lost until the master went and found them. We, without God, we were lost in this world. And if you remember back to before you were saved, often a feeling of lostness would come over you. There was this, what is my purpose? You were lost. Now, we bring some of these into our salvation experience because we don't understand the things that God wants us to. And we're going to get to that this morning. We were separated from God. We were lost. We were at, we were at odds with God. We didn't agree with Him. He, his standard is righteousness, the blood of Christ. Our standard is whatever I want to do, I do it. We, we had a standard, really, of narcissism. It was all about me. I was having a conversation the other day, and, and this can really fit all of us to some degree because it was always just about us. And um, I was talking with Jesse Rogers, and we were joking around, and, and uh, she, she, you know, she was saying, oh, it's enough about me. I said, yeah, you know, en enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? <laughs> you know, it's, it becomes all about us. And that's, we were in disagreement with God. God had a plan for our life, and we did too, and it didn't match up. And so we were at odds with him. We had no peace until we came to God. We walked in darkness, and we were darkness. Now listen to the scripture, Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8 doesn't just say that we walked in darkness. We, we knew we walked in darkness, but Ephesians 5.8 actually says, you were darkness. We were darkness. You know, for some of you, you're saying, I wasn't that bad. We were darkness. We were separated from God. In us, there was nothing good. You might have had good intentions. You might have done some good things. But in you was nothing good because you were darkness. You were separated. We were separated from God. And we walked in darkness and were darkness ourselves. This is pretty depressing so far. <laughs> you know, before you came to Christ, you sinned. We know that. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But besides sinning, because some of us still sin occasionally. I've seen you. Just kidding. I've seen me. We still sin occasionally. But the, the, the Bible goes on to tell us something different about ourselves in the past. We j didn't just sin. We were sinners. We were sinners. Romans 5.19 For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. You know, I was, again, I wasn't that bad. I, it was the disobedience of one man that you became a sinner. And that's who we were. And because of those things, because of the fall, we were destined for death. We were destined for hell. There was no hope for us outside of Christ. We were going to hell. Romans 6.23, the scripture we, most of us know in here. The wages of sin is death. That's what we get. And, and you know, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of people out there. I mean, they're, they're not just sinning. I mean, they're working at sin. They, they love it. And, I mean, they are working hard and they're out there. I mean, they might as well give them a shovel. And I'm digging my way to hell. 
they are working and the wages that they're receiving is death outside of Christ. And that's what all of us were. I want to read a scripture to just really discourage us the last bit before we move on. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards. You know, I'm going to stop for a second as you're still thumbing through there. You know, these lists often start out this way. They start out the really bad stuff first. You ever notice that? And, 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 and we can go, yeah, not me. I never did that. And then it starts getting to places where you start going greedy. I think I've been greedy. Drunkards. Slanderers. Swindlers. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. Some of you were. But here comes the good news. We were bad. You know, if you go, you go, look, at a, go look at a picture before you were saved, make sure it's before you were saved, say bad. You can find a picture. You were bad. You were darkness. You were walking in death. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When we came to Christ, we were changed in an instant. Something happened the moment we trusted Christ fully and leaned on Him only for our salvation and put Him Lord of our life. Immediately on that day, something changed. You might not have even felt it. But there was a spiritual transaction. Your spirit was dead and it became alive. You were in that moment justified sanctify and life changed forevermore Romans 8.30 talks about this justification a little bit and I'll just read it quick it just says those he called he justified Romans 10.10 says that word again is this word justify we're going to talk a little bit about it this morning we can't go too in depth this is a, this is a huge subject but Romans 10.10 says it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Justification happened the moment you were saved. It's not a process. It's a moment in time that you were justified. Now, there's a, a real simple definition of what justified means. And, and it's, it's good. It helps us get there to some degrees. When you are justified, it's justified, never sinned. Let me read a couple things here. Um, Justification has been defined as the act of God whereby he declares righteous him who believes on Christ. The act of God whereby he declares righteous him who believes on Christ. Justification is God declaring you righteous. Now, we have to think about this because that means that we're not just forgiven. We're not just forgiven. We're made righteous. Two very different things. One's negative. One just takes the negative away. Your sins are forgiven. The other is an imputing of positive. You are made righteous. There's times that you can be forgiven, but you still know it was, it was done and there was a negative quality. God goes beyond just saying you're forgiven and he says you're made righteous. 
It's more than forgiveness or the pardon of sins and the removal of guilt and condemnation. That's the negative. That's the putting away of sin. But justification also is positive. Praise God for that. It's the, the Bible says it's the reckoning of yourself or, or putting it to, to your account, the perfect righteousness of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 says, It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. We, he is in us our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Justification is being declared right, not just not wrong. You go to, you go to court for being a, a, accused of something and they find you not guilty. I'd rather be found innocent. You know people who went to court and they were found not guilty and you go, I still think you might have done it. One of the big cases for me, O.J. Simpson. He was free for a lot of years. His life may have caught up with him. He was declared not guilty. But I think most people didn't think he was innocent. God doesn't say we're not guilty. He imputes his righteousness into us. And it's not us. It's him. That's justification. Justified never sin. He hath made him to be our to be sin for us, for he for who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians five. In him we're the righteousness of God. These things don't happen apart from Christ. These things don't happen on our own. They are when we a person is in Christ. We are justified and made righteous not just declared not guilty. Justification includes the sinner's deliverance from wrath. When we're justified, we're delivered from the wrath of God that's stored up for us. And it's His acceptance as righteous in the sight of God. We are righteous in the sight of God. And that boggles my mind. That's the first part of understanding who you are in Christ, who we are in Christ. You're righteous in His sight. And we have to come to grips with that. We have to come to agreement with that, that we are made righteous. God places us in a position in a position of righteousness. It's though we've never sinned. I want to read some scriptures. And this has been a, on my mind. And, you know, do we, do we understand this? And we, we say, you know, God forgets our sins. You know, I want, to, I want to say, I don't think that God forgets our sins. He chooses not to remember them. There's a difference. You know, there's a lot of things in your life you can say, oh, I, I just can't remember. It's different than forgetting. It's still there. You're just having, uh, you're having a hard time recalling it. You're not remembering it. God chooses not to remember our sins. He separates us. Micah 7.19 says, He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. We won't see Him and He will not remember them any longer. Isaiah 43.25 says, I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. It's a choice. He is choosing because of the blood of Christ to not remember your sins. 
Now, I wish I had that ability sometime to choose to really, really not remember. God help us. Psalm 103 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. He's removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. And I love that because this was written before we realized that the earth was round. So what? Do you know north and south can be measured? North is 13,000 miles or so away from south. It's measurable. But east and west is no measurable because it continues to go. You always go east or you always go west. As far as the east is from the west, I've removed your iniquity from you. You've been made righteous. He remembers your sin no longer. I love it in Jeremiah 50.20. It says, In those days and in that time, says the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought, but there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, but they shall not be found. You can't find them. He's removed them. He's choosing not to remember our sins. And in Hebrews 10, it says, This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's justification. Our sin is removed, and his righteousness is imputed to us immediately, and it's a one-time transaction, justified, and it's a done deal. He remembers your sins no longer. Our first part is we need to begin to do the same. Remember our sin no longer. We're freed from it. We're delivered from it. We're justified. Justified, never done it. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy that says, it doesn't matter what happened in my past. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. He, he, he justifies us. He also sanctifies us. And sanctification is, is different. And really in the Bible, there's two different aspects of sanctification when you read the scriptures. And sometimes it's, it's because of the word that they used in the, in the Greek, but they translated it sanctification instead of holiness. But two aspects of sanctification. One, it's positional. In, in 1 Corinthians 6.11, it says, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. It put it in that moment of justification as a past tense thing. And you can say, well, sanctification happened, and it did. It's a, there, there's a part of sanctification that's a setting apart. It's a setting apart as something holy. The moment you were saved, God set you apart, and he made you holy. You were declared righteous or holy, sanctified in the moment that you received Christ, in the moment that you trusted him. That's part of sanctification. It's positional. Let's go to Second Thessalonians, if I can say that, 2.13. It's in the five T books. You know, all the T's are together. At the end of the E in books, because all the E in books are together too. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification. It's also 
progressive. It's, it's something... So it happened the moment we were saved in the sense we were set apart and declared holy. But sanctification is a process, an ongoing process that we live out as we walk with the Lord. He sanctifies us. He removes, he removes us more, the sin more and more from us he, he, as we walk in Him. I want to go to... Uh, I'm sorry, I, I did them backwards. Did I just read 1 Thessalonians 5? I wanted to read 2 Thessalonians 2 because so, I'm going, that was the wrong one. 1 Thessalonians 5, that, so keep your finger there. Go to 2 Thessalonians 2.13. I got them. My notes were right. My tongue was wrong. So, so 2 Thessalonians 2.13, again, is the positional side of sanctification. It says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, very dry this morning. <clears throat> Beloved by Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. He chose us for sanctification. Salvation, it was a one-time deal. That's the positional side of it. Sanctification happened. We were set apart and declared righteous. But then when we go back to Thessalonians 5.23, if, we if, if sanctification is a one-time deal, why... Is he then praying this? Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. He's talking to Christians. They were already sanctified. They were already justified. And yet he's saying, may you be sanctified completely. This is the progressive side of sanctification. We were set apart and declared righteous in his sight. And yet sanctification is an ongoing process that will continue all of our life. We were justified. We were sanctified. And we're being sanctified. It's a continual lifelong thing that God does in and through us. That's who we were. We were estranged from God until he came in and, and justified us through our faith and our commitment into him and our belief, full belief, committing our lives fully to him to be our savior. And in that moment, everything should have changed. And it did. What didn't change is up here. What didn't change is up here in our understanding and our belief about who we were. This is an ongoing process. This understanding of my mind. I am working even today to change my stinking thinking and even the words that I use. I will sometimes throw it out. I'm working not to say it, to ever say again that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. And then I was saved by grace. And now I'm righteous. Right here is going to be something that some of you are going to struggle with. There's something in us that that wants to hold on to that, I'm a sinner. I'm bad. No, you're righteous. You were a sinner. You're righteous now. Do you sin? Yes. Maybe more often than you'd like. Maybe more often than you should, of course, because you shouldn't sin. But you're not a sinner. You're saved by grace. So who we are now is different than who we were. We weren't sinners. We were sinners, and now we are not. We're positionally made justified and righteous and sanctified in Him. Who are we now? It's a position. It's a fact. Who we are is all about what the Bible says. What does the Word say? I'm not talking about how you feel about yourself. Because truthfully, many of us feel rotten about ourselves. We think of ourselves that we'll, we're just horrible and we'll never succeed and we're sinners and we've got these things constantly 
barraging us and, and attacking us. I'm not talking about what you believe about yourself because somebody told a lie to you about yourself. You're bad. You'll never amount to anything. God will never forgive you. I can't believe you did that. These things that were spoken into our lives are lies and they are not the truth. I'm talking about the fact of our position in Christ. We were made righteous. If that doesn't get somebody excited, we're in trouble. We should begin to get excited about who God created us to be and walk away from the lies. I'm talking about who we are in Christ, what God says about us, what He thinks about us. I love Jeremiah 29.11. You know, I know the plans I have for you. Another version says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. He thinks about us and He has plans for us to prosper us that we would be successful. Those are thoughts of somebody who sees righteousness, not sinners. What has He declared to be true about you? As we want to spend time this week and even into next week, what is he? What has God declared to be true about you? And begin to walk those things out. I believe the biggest enemy to the facts of our life, the facts of this situation, is not how much sin we commit. That's not the biggest enemy. And I, often I think that is for some. It's like you know I'm sinning so much. I just I, I'm just not sanctified. I'm not, not justified. I'm it's not how, that's not the enemy of how much sin. It's the lie that we believe. It's the lie that we believe. That's the enemy of walking out this sanctification process and becoming victorious in Christ. I think of the things that Satan said when he was trying to deceive and he says these same things to us. Did God really say? And he questions you. And he questions what the Word says. You know, he doesn't even have to finish the statement we go the rest of the way. Did God really say? Oh, and then we make up the lie. No, He must not have really said that. If you really are. If you really are. He accuses us all the time. If you really are saved, then why did you do that last night? If you're really sanctified in the righteousness of Christ, why did you watch that movie? Why did you go to that bar? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And he comes in and he brings the accusation and our minds then receive the accusation and turn it into condemnation and we're condemned by our thinking and by the accusations of the enemy. We need to begin to do war in the heavenlies and do war right here in this this thing we call our brain. So much is, is done there. And there's some wonderful books um, out there been written on the subject and, and even just names of books. The, uh, Joyce Meyer, The Battlefield of the Mind. That's the biggest battlefield we fight is right here. Right here. Romans 12, 2. I'm going to give two scriptures about the mind that we need to really really take into heart and begin to let them churn over in our spirit until we get a hold of them and begin to do war in them. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not by the changing of your actions. I mean, doesn't it seem like be transformed and stop doing bad things? That makes more sense to me. You know, we're, we're, we're bad. We're, if I'm conformed and I'm doing the patterns and living out the patterns of the world, wouldn't it be, make sense to say, be transformed and stop doing that? 
but instead it's be transformed by the renewing of your mind because so much of the battle is what we think of ourselves and our situation and how we give a foothold to the enemy. Be transformed by the renewing of, you, of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In 2 Corinthians, just a little bit over to the right, chapter 10. Let's start in verse 4. We've got this battlefield of the mind. And chapter, chapter 10, verse 4 in 2 Corinthians says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds literally means those things that are built up in our minds. They're strongholds of our thinking. Casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself but against the knowledge of God. Both of these things, speaking again, to arguments and the knowledge of God. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You're sitting down, you're wherever you are, and the thoughts begin to come. You're no good. You're a sinner. You're a loser. Whatever it is. And that's a high argument. That's a high thought. Exalting itself against the knowledge of God. But we need to know what the knowledge of God is. The knowledge of God is that you're justified. You're sanctified. You are made righteous. You are set apart. You're holy. And we begin to walk in those things and say, no, I'm going to pull down that thought. And I'm not going to go there. Because the, one of the things that happens the moment we begin to go and agree with the devil, it becomes a lot easier to walk back into sin. You know, I'm just no good anyways. I'm just going to go ahead and go do it. He comes in and he robs us. Bring those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What do we think about ourselves? What do we think? It has to be based on the Word of God and we need to be renewed. Our minds need to be renewed. by, And I believe it's through the washing of the water of the Word, understanding what the Word says about who we are and beginning to live that out. We, I said this last week, we're, we end up looking at our lives and, and giving the value of our lives based on our behavior, the things that we've done wrong. And then we put a value in our lives that says, I'm, I'm no good because I've done those things. We need to establish our Christian life on what we believe rather than how we behave. What do we believe? There's a problem. A lot of us are believing the wrong things. We're believing the lies of the enemy. We're believing the lies of our own minds. We're both, sadly, we're believing the lies of your parents. We need to change our thinking, what we believe to be what the Word of God says and base it on what we believe in the Word of God, not on how we behave. And I believe this next statement goes either way. If you are out of Christ and you have sin in you and you are still part of that sin life. No person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with the way he perceives himself. Your perception of yourself is going to drive how you behave. If you perceive yourself as still a sinner and as rotten, your behavior is going to follow that perception. But if you begin to perceive that you are righteous in Him, that you are a child, a son, a daughter of the Most High God who is justified, whose past is forgiven, and whose sins 
will not be remembered any longer. Your behavior will begin to go with that the way you perceive yourself. Think of people even... And this is a principle. This is just a, it's just a principle in life. You ever see somebody who... And they, they don't look successful. I mean, maybe their appearance, we, because we judge on the outside and all these things, and yet they carry themselves in just such an amazing manner of, of confidence. How do they do that? Because they perceive themselves differently than you do. They perceive themselves. They've caught on to something that's different. They know their value. And they begin to behave that way. So who are we? I've got a number of scriptures and things that we want to be, go over this morning and begin to let them soak into us so that we'll begin to understand who God created us to be. We'll change our language. We'll change our thinking. These things have to change in order to get a hold on this, I believe, and to know who we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 and, and these, these, all these will be up on the website on the facilitation guide. You can download them. We also have... Uh, similar scriptures that will be on the website. We'll show you where they're at. And if you want, I can even just copy these off. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Right then, you were new. The transaction was done. You became new. And it goes on to say, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The day that you were born again, something changed. You became new. You were justified, set apart, sanctified, washed. Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were justified. And because of that, we end up with peace with God. If you're still fighting with God, you haven't walked into the understanding that you have peace with God. You don't have to wrestle over your past sins any longer. They're under the blood. You're a new creation. You're justified. Colossians 2.10 says that you are complete in Him. The Scripture you need to write down, you need to pin, there's most of these passages, you need to make little cards, you need to put them up on your mirror in the morning, you put them up on your refrigerator, don't put them up in your car while you're driving. Put them up in other places. <laughs> that, you know, put, you know, actually, when I used to do this with my Scripture memories, put them on the top of your visor. And that way when you're at a stoplight, you can pull it down and read them. Get them into you. Understand who you are in Christ. You are complete in Christ. We're going to say that. I am complete in Christ. How many times do you sit back and go, oh, if I just had this, if I, oh, 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 if I just had, if I was just something different, I, I'm going to make that personal, I am complete in Christ because He is the head of all principality and power. I'm complete in Him. Now, these scriptures are all about being in Him, not next to Him, not believers in Him from afar, but in Him where our life is hidden in Him. This is the one that, that I, I'm changing. I'm going to work on it because even the agreement of it is just wrong. You I am a saint. You're not a sinner. 
you were a sinner. You are a saint. In the book of Ephesians, it was written to the saints who are in Ephesus. We're saints. We're not sinners. Do you struggle with sin? Yes. Do you sin? Yes. But you're not a sinner. Sinner, even if you think about the, the connotation of this, it's somebody who's practicing it. You're not practicing sin. We should be practicing it. We should be walking away from it. You're a saint. And you sin. The Bible says, also in Ephesians chapter 2, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. We're complete in Him, and we're saints. We're new creations. The old has passed. All has become new. This is who we are in Christ. This is just the beginning. We're going to continue to go on and understand, but we have to get these things into our mind, and we need to begin to look at them and say, I choose to agree with that. Open my heart. Help me to understand this. Otherwise, these scriptures, they're just dead. You'll, the, the chance of you walking out of here not being changed is high unless you'll make the commitment to say, I'm going to begin to read these scriptures and choose to agree with them and pull down the strongholds in my mind and stop the lies. I am not who I was. I am who I am in Christ. Thank God Colossians 3.3 says that we died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. We're hidden in Him. He's our everything. We're complete in Him. We're hidden in Him. And we are free forever from condemnation. We condemn ourselves. The enemy accuses us and tries to condemn us. But uh, Romans 8, Therefore there is now no condemnation for who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. This doesn't work if you're out of Christ. It's not true. You can't just quote these scriptures and sadly, I think we've done that too many times, just help people who are feeling bad and we just say, you know, there's no condemnation. If you're outside of Christ, there's a lot of condemnation because you're going to hell. But in Christ, the moment you were justified, it all changed and the condemnation was gone forever. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? <laughs> really? God dwells in me? God dwells in you. You are the temple of God. Go back. You're talking about Jews. What is their understanding of, of, the, of, of, of the temple? It was glorious. It was the most important part of their worship. It was where God dwelled. And because of that, it was ornate. It was gold and silver and bronze. And it was amazing. And God's presence dwelled in the temple that was perfect. It was amazingly rich and, and valuable. And they said, you are the temple of God. Blasphemous even at the moment. You're the temple, not that way. Like, That's the temple. No, you're the temple. You're Nate. You're beautiful. 
You are ordained, you are adorned with riches and beauty, and God dwells in you. You don't have to go anywhere to find His presence because His presence is in you all the time. When you sin, His presence is with you all the time. He doesn't take a vacation. He doesn't leave. He dwells in you. You're the temple of God. Ephesians 2.6 says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It says, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is it? It's part of being in God, seated on the throne with him. We're in Christ. We have a good seat in the house. We don't have to sit in the corner. We're with Christ. The Bible says that we are the head and not the tail. No matter how you feel, 1 Corinthians 12.27 says that you are a member of the body of Christ. You're part of the body. You can't remove yourself from that. Even when you're not in fellowship, you're part of the body of Christ. That's so amazing because we often feel like we're not part of the body. It also needs to be an encouragement to us to not treat people like they're not part of the body of Christ because we don't get along with them because they're a little weird. You're a member of Christ's body. I love this. It says, John 15 Verses 1 and verses 5 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. We're, we're a branch of the true vine. We've also been adopted. Ephesians, back in Ephesians 1, says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. We're part of the vine. He adopts us. What other picture do we need? He's drawing a picture to help us get who we are in Him. You know, when you adopt somebody, you look around and say, I want them. I think, I think it's, it's spectacular because when you have a child naturally, when you have a child naturally, you're stuck with them. Right? You know, they're born, you're like, oh God, I hope they're good looking. God, I hope they're healthy. Whatever comes up, but that's it. When you're adopted, you go and you say, I want you. God looked around and he said, I want you. I want you, Tammy. I want you. And he adopted us. We're his children. We're part of the vine. He adopts us. He's trying to help us see who we are. Our citizenship, thank God, is not of this earth. It's in heaven. Philippians 
You know, we were bought at a price and we belong to God. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. These things are in Christ and they are forever. He doesn't return us. You know, I, when you go and buy something, you go and you pay money for it. You purchase it, it's yours. But see, these things are permanent. God doesn't return us. That's a lie of the enemy. God doesn't want me. He wants you still. He wanted you. He justified you the day you were saved. And He wants you forever. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. You've been justified. You're part of the family of God. You're a new creation. Are we getting it yet? Who we are in Christ. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. It's amazing, though, the one thing that makes us feel like we're separated is the imagination. You know, there's, there's always been really good, weird, sci-fi, Twilight Zone things and that, that where people are, are imagining their situation and because they're imagining it, they're living in it. But the moment the imagination stops, they're free. The only reason you feel separated from God is because you're imagining it. Because you're not agreeing with what the Word says. You're allowing the condemnation of the enemy to overshadow the truth of the Scriptures that says you are in Him and you are justified and you are forgiven. Doesn't, doesn't give us license to go and sin freely because anyone who's in Christ, there, there's, a, there's a conviction of sin that draws us to Him, not to the world. But the enemy comes in and he begins to lie to us and it makes us feel guiltier and guiltier and we're drawn back to the world and we have to say, no, I am not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint who was a sinner. And there's a difference. Thank God that we can approach God with freedom and confidence. Ephesians 3 says, Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. We can go to Him in our time of need. Hebrews 4 says, we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. This is all in Him. This is who we are. This is what we have access to. John 15, 15 is, is a great statement from Jesus Himself. It says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. The song we've sung and it says, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. That's something that you should tell yourself. I am a friend of God. Come on, how many times have you thrown that thing around when, when maybe there was that moment of, you know, you met somebody, you knew somebody, and they were being talked about. He says, oh, yeah, I'm his friend. You know, there's something special about being friends with somebody who's maybe important. Even acquaintances. I, you know, we're name droppers. I remember right, we helped Patrick Swayze. He broke down in front of our house having Bible study on, on Big Bear Boulevard. And one of the guys in the Bible study went, and he says, oh, there's somebody over there. It looks like they're having problems with the car. 
He walked over. He comes back over. He says, "Hey, do you got a do you got a tire iron? I'm helping Patrick Swayze change a flat." And I says, "No, you're not." He says, "No." So we all walk over there, and there's there's Patrick Swayze in his Jeep. Flew into the airport. He didn't tell us who he was, and we didn't make a mention of it. We're all just we're acting like nonchalant. <laughs> there's six of us. Do you need some help? We're just here to help. <laughs> and you could tell that I mean, he's got his head down and he's trying to change his thing. And, you know, at, at the end, at the end of the experience, he got his tire changed. He thanked us, and, and I gave him a track. And I, I says, Patrick, this is for you. I had to let him know we knew who he was. And I, and I gave him a track. You know, and, and it, you, if you have a story like that, you tell it, don't you? <laughs> Come on, we tell those stories, right? I am a friend of God. I mean, wow. I, I met Patrick Swayze. He doesn't remember my name, but I'm a friend of God. That should give us some understanding of who we are. He calls me friend. You know, you, you know your friends. You know what bothers them. You know about their fears. God knows all those things about you. You're his friend. We struggle. You might be sitting out there saying, you know, I'm, I'm hearing these and I'm trying to get a grasp on them, but you don't know, Pastor, the, the things that I do, my secret sins, things I struggle with, my thoughts. And God's not done with you yet. See, these are positional statements. It's not about how you feel about them. It's not about how you earn them. These are true facts about you. And you just begin to say, God, help me. Believe these and I'm pulling down the, th the strongholds and I'm going to take, take these thoughts captive and make them obedience to Christ and choose to believe these. You say, but still look at my life. God is not done with you yet. See, sanctification happened when you were saved. You were declared holy and righteous. You were set apart for Him from the day that you trusted Him as your Savior. But it's an ongoing process that you're being sanctified. And as you walk down that, path you find yourself that you your struggle with sin gets less that you find yourself in the same sin less God is not done with you yet being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ it's not over church today is a new day. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Let this be a day of, of salvation of your mind. Let this be a day where you say, no more will I buy into the lies of the enemy. I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to pull down the strongholds. And as we begin to change the way we believe, our behavior will follow. Our behavior will follow the, what we believe, what we perceive of ourselves. Let this be a new day in our life. And I believe as you will do that, as you, there's victory that will come. Those victory will come in areas of depression, in areas of struggling with sin and bad choices because you'll begin to understand who you are in Christ and you'll say, I don't need to make that same mistake again. 
I'm a child of God. I'm a friend of God. I've been bought at a price. I'm His temple. He dwells in me. I'm a new creation. And these scriptures, these things will begin to roll out of you and they'll begin to change your life. And we'll walk closer with the Lord because we won't be running from Him for fear of condemnation. We'll draw close to Him. Let this be a new day. Next week we're going to continue on and even find out how we can walk in victory and how we can begin to apply these things. We're, we need to be practical. But th- this first part, make it a point. Go online. Get these notes. Write Scriptures down. Find the Scriptures of who you are in Christ and begin to point, pin them up. There will be some that speak louder to you. But I, I encourage you, if there's a Scripture and you go, oh, I don't know about that one, write that one extra big. Because right there is the, and the, the lie of the enemy trying to come and saying that doesn't apply to you yet. No, you're in Christ. You don't have, it's not a yet unless you're not in Christ. If you're unsaved, then, then today get saved. Trust in Him with all of your life. But if you're a believer in Him, if you've trusted with Him, they all apply to you. You just don't always see the fruit of it. Father, we thank You so much. God, I declare because Your Word says it, that I am the righteousness of Christ. God, my past is behind. My sins will be remembered no more. I am a child of God. I am a friend of God. I'm part of the vine, God. I sit with You in heavenly places. You've given me a hope and a future. And you're not done with me yet. And we declare these things. I declare them and I pray God everyone is declaring them with me. God, I belong to you. You purchased me. So I give myself freely to you again. Lord, let our minds be renewed and washed. Each and every day, help us to grow until we walk out the perception of our belief, being victorious and overcomers. Stir us up this week to encourage one another to walk out the truth of who we are as we'd see each other in our life groups, as we'd see each other at the store. Let us walk and encourage one another and encourage ourselves by quoting and Declaring, declaring your scriptures to be truth in our life. None of this is from us, God. It's all from you and we give you glory for that. It was your sacrifice. Not for the good things that I have done because I haven't. But because of your price paid by the shed blood. It's in that blood that says, I believe that your blood is enough to forgive my sin. And that there's nothing else powerful enough to cleanse me of my sin. Thank you, God, that I am a saint and not a sinner. And I am part of the body of Christ. I am part of this body of Christ at Big Bear Christian Center. Help us as we grow together to look to you to be our all in all. In Jesus' name, amen.
Michelle should have been here. I hope she'll listen to it on 